Guess we're live. We are live. Awesome. Steven, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you? Doing well. It's a Friday morning when we're recording this, or Friday afternoon, I guess, wherever you guys are listening from. But it's a pleasure to have you here. We got to jump on a call last week, and you kind of told me what you were doing. I told you what I was doing. I'm like, I think it'd be a great fit. And kind of uh, get yourself out there and tell everyone what you got going on. You got a really cool story. Comes in the door-to-door world. Now you're in the software world, which is really cool. And a lot of people from many different service industries will be able to take a lot of uh, information out of this one. So I'm excited. Excited for listeners and I'm excited for myself too. Like what you have going on is really cool. And I'm excited about what you've got going on uh, as far as um, your business and how quickly you scaled it. And I was very interested in talking to you uh, and learning more about uh, how you built your company so quickly. Yeah, that's cool. So we are on episode number 60. And for all the guys that don't know Stephen, I'll just introduce him real quick. So Stephen is the CEO of ConveyOr.com. Uh, for the last 10 years, he's been helping companies like Legacy Power, Vivint, Cutco, uh, recruit, onboard, and train, and retain more sales reps. And a lot of people who listen to this show either want more sales reps, which is all of them, or maybe don't have any and want to get their first one or two. So this is going to be a great, great show, and I'm excited for it. But why don't you just tell us real quick, Stephen, how you got into the industry way back? Because I think you've been knocking doors for like 20 plus years. Yeah, not knocking doors, but been in direct sales and direct sales industry and and really been, um, you know, a wallflower in the industry for, you know, a long time. Uh, so my background is um, I started back in 2003 with Cutco, Cutco Knives, right? Where a lot of people start and uh, did that for five years through college, you know, during college years and, um, you know, hit the Hall of Fame with the company and did well with the sales. But uh, I was really kind of always a nerd and I was always trying to find ways to, to softwareize or processize <laughs> um, the sales process. And got really into technology and there was an opportunity for me to build out uh, a sales rep, like relationship manager for, for Vector, for, for Cutco. Um, and then we still have that product today. It's called WebPDI. And uh, it basically is what every district manager uses to manage their team, like the whole, the, the rep, the rep list and do a lot of like uh, what they call it PDI. So personal daily interaction, like calling the reps, uh, figuring out how many appointments they've got set up. Uh, driving them to get on the phone and schedule more appointments, things like that. So that was my first like kind of soiree into software. And then from there, um, that kind of snowballed into what is now Conveyor. And we've been working with, uh, you know, Vector again on their recruiting arm, uh, helping them, you know, recruit lots and lots of reps, uh, tens of thousands actually, you know, per year. Uh, and then uh, work with other companies in the D 2 D space, and uh, we've actually started like kind of higher up, like with the more enterprise accounts, uh, helping them with their recruiting, onboarding, training uh, processes, uh, building out our software conveyor. And then now we're really starting to hit our stride and work with um, you know some of the smaller um, you know companies in the space that are like, I want some of that. Let's let's work on taking that and turning it into. Um, I need to buy back my time. So the difference, big difference at the big levels are like 2%, 3% conversion improvements on what we're already doing is massive, right? Um, at the smaller level, it's like, I need all my time back. I want to buy back all my time so that if I do recruit reps, I'm not pulling out my hair, you know, two weeks later, trying to get these people through the, the onboarding and the training process um, or the recruiting process for that matter. 
Yeah. So take us through like your early days of Cutco. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Gosh, I really loved it. Um, I was in, I went to university of Washington. I was uh, a, a division one rower, you know, crew, uh, rower. And, um, I really only went to school cause I was a jock and I wanted to row and I didn't really have like <laughs> a reason for going to school. Yeah. Yep. It's like, I just want to do the college thing and row and I don't know. So I was taking all of these like random electives. Um, and then at the end of the year, I was kind of a little disenchanted with the crew team. Uh, I found a flyer, okay, on campus, big old bright, you know, fluorescent flyer um, that was saying something like something, something per appointment to sell, uh, you know, to do demonstrations on on home goods, sporting goods. That's how they positioned. They didn't even tell you it was Cutco back then. Um, so I called and and they, I was like, what what am I selling? What would I be doing? And they said something like sporting goods. Like they just buried the lead a lot on the whole Cutco thing. They don't do that anymore. They're very outright about it. Um, went in. Um, so you got you got recruited in cam- on campus. Yeah, on campus. Yeah, and, and, uh, and you went to a group interview. Did a group interview, live in person group interview, um, and then from there they kept like they keep on you know they kept kept me and uh launched that summer and did great like i hit there what they call a fast start level um and was just really into it because uh growing up um you know i had a strong uh small christian school so going to the college was like such a change you know going to you know big college what was cool about cutco was like it was like a little micro family um you know in that office and so really enjoyed kind of like the 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 social aspect of the group and being part of a team um, and just went from there. I ended up actually, if you like fast forward a couple of years in Cutco, there was a division of Cutco that actually sold uh, Cutco to loan officers and um, real estate agents as a business gift. So they would, it was like a recurring revenue model, right? So you could actually get them to buy say five small gift sets for their, you know, their customers every five months. Uh, and so that was where we ended up doing this more business gift related rather than selling to consumers. Right on. So when you, when you got onboarded there to Cutco at that time, how was the onboarding at that time before you built out the software? At, at that time, uh, it was very basic. Um, it was physical, a physical interview, uh, hundred percent physical training, you know, uh, in a, in a, in a conference, uh, kind of like a workshop, three-day workshop model. Um, no real long tail like follow-up. You either just, you just showed up to advanced training. I mean, this is in 2003. So, uh, you know, we're talking uh, all 100% in-person physical training and zero digital programs at all. Um, and it's amazing how much of that is still exactly the same with a lot of other companies. So <laughs> hasn't hasn't changed after 20 years. And then, so how did you get into software? Is it something you liked as a, like in high school or where did you learn to build or code? Where did you learn to code? I took a small stint after selling Cutco to be a technical recruiter. Uh, I didn't end up well, but I was, I did do technical recruiting for a while, but I got exposed in the Seattle space in the early 2000s to all of the technology stuff, all of the new startups that were occurring. I got really excited about it found some actual startups that I was interested in selling for. Um, and that led to some conversations with um, my division manager in, in Vector, like in Cutco, on what uh, they wanted uh, for their division. 
like back in the back then they didn't even know how many sales they had made like this is wild to think about now but they didn't know until the next monday what they shipped that that week right like it was all just like did you put your paper order in the bin and we'll count them up on monday afternoon and we'll know like what we sold right and so the common thing was like, can we build like just a way for every manager to pop in their daily numbers and have it graphed and you know stats so that I can see if they're on track for the week? They didn't have that. So we built that out. Then we were like, well, could we do an online rep management tool? And I was like, let me see if I can do something. So I started learning a little bit of code and really loved it uh, to the point where I kind of forgot other re- responsibilities to <laughs> learn the code. And um, I actually cold turkey um, doing sales for a year, moved the family in with my mother. Uh, I had two kids at the time, um, lived in like 400 square feet, taught myself how to code. And then we launched the, the product uh, to, to everybody uh, na- nationwide the next year um, uh, at the conference. So. That was what I took that risk. Uh, I'm thankful for my wife who was like, yeah, I'll live with your, my mother-in-law for a year with two kids uh, while you learn how to potentially learn how to write code. Uh, and it worked out, it worked out really well. And that's what launched the company. So, so it just I, it strikes a question because you're like an entrepreneur, like how did you work that? How did you structure that deal with them? Or did they own the software at the time? Did you, was that a rev share or what was that? What did that look like? They didn't want to invest a ton of dough into this venture, nor did they know whether or not they would get buy-in across the nation. Cause at, at the, at their level, you know, they have independent managers at like the divisional level, even at the state level. So they do make their own decisions. So, you know, there's a big risk for them to build something that's not going to work nationwide. They did say, Hey, go for it. No, no skin of our back. If you want to build something speculatively that will maybe work for the division you're in, see if it works there. If it grows grassroots, cool. If it serves, we didn't have to invest and it benefits our company. And then I just charged a subscription model within that one company. So that's really cool. And then how many years before it went to all the rest of the branches? Uh, Yeah, the first summer, I think we had the entire Western region. And then by the next summer, we had the whole nation. Yeah. And how how many locations does Adiva know at this point? How many locations that Cutco has? The locations, they have about 40 40 to 45 divisions at any given time across the nation. Um, And then they have, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of, of offices and locations per year. Yeah. Right on. So then what made you decide to venture off on your own again and, you know, start this up? Yeah. So I, uh, I felt, okay. So what started happening is people were leaving vector, right? Leaving, you know, they're going to do different things. Um, as people do vectors, an amazing opportunity, but you know what I mean? Like people want to do their own thing or they get excited that they can own their own business and they would call me up and say, Hey, I need a way to manage reps and onboard reps. Um, for my company, can I use, can I use your product? Like, can I use what PDI and said, ah, this is built for specifically for this company. I made it super specific to this company. So the next version was like, okay, I'm going to build, I'm going to rebuild this in a way that is designed where any company can configure it for them and the vernacular and the wording and the training and everything will be for their business. So that's what started, uh, conveyor. Yeah. That's what started the best practices of web PDI and kind of went full circle. Actually, I took a little, if you don't mind me telling you, like I, I took, I took a little break from going 
if I could go over again, I would go all in on uh, direct sales, you know, what we are now, recruiting, onboarding, training, uh, retention, because we already were winning in WebPDI. What I, I got too big for my britches and I started like, oh, I'm going to build a training platform for corporate, you know, like enterprise corporate accounts. Um, so we went, I mean, we work with like uh, Valero and we worked with, you know, Capital One and, you know, some great, you know, like Fortune, Fortune 500 companies. What I found is while there's a big opportunity there for training and micro learning and e-learning and LMS stuff, okay, there's just a huge industry for that. I kept going, you know what? I really get excited when I see a company like yours, okay, um, that scaled up and created like independent wealth and created an amazing opportunity in that, in your local territory for people to come in that might've not had like a crazy pedigree growing up. Right. And didn't go to Harvard, you know, or something like that. And it ended up making an ama amazing life for themselves and their family. And if I could be a part of that, that actually gets me more excited than say somebody going through like a safety training, um, or a, um, corporate e-learning experience and going, well, they enjoyed it, you know? Uh, I, and I was, I got more, way more excited to go back to my roots, which was focus on, on the D2D space and focus on people that, that have an amazing offer, amazing small business to consumers in the area that want those services, but just need more reps, need to do it at a, at a bigger scale. Yeah. So we were talking about you and I, but, uh, I was at a conference two weeks ago, maybe three now. And we were talking about how small businesses are terrible at onboarding in general, not all, but the majority, they're just not great. And not just, not just the sales side, but a technician side as well. And you and I talking like, could you possibly make a whole separate side for the service side? And you're like, oh, absolutely. So this is just a great tool for you guys to use to onboard uh, seamlessly with everyone across your company. So why don't you tell us a little about what the software does and how it all works and how to automate uh, the onboarding process for everyone? Yeah, yeah. So before we talk about um, what it does, I'm just kind of kind of position why. Why does this thing exist? So um, typically, think about think about your rep experience, your recruiting, onboarding, training, retention. I'm gonna keep saying that, but those four verbs. Think about what you do for your customers. So like, if you think about it, it's the same stuff. It's the same stuff. It's, it's attract. Okay. Onboard them as a customer, train the customer on what they need to do as a customer and educate them on your products so that they're like, this is great. And I won't turn. Uh, and then four, like retain them, make sure that you're hitting them at the right points, making sure that they take, they feel taken care of. It's the same stuff. The problem is companies don't think like this. They don't think of their reps as customers. They kind of have a chip on their shoulder and they think, well, they'd be it'd be so great if they, they, it's so nice for them to work for me, right? Like they, they should be happy that they're working for me. Uh, they have that kind of attention. They don't think of reps as customers, but they are because they're purchasing your opportunity. They're, they're taking themselves out of the market to make a big bet on you as your company as the container for like what they want to accomplish. And I don't think that really settles with people. They don't really realize that if it really did, they'd realize how important it is to build a rep experience that is um, that exudes that creates confidence all the way through it, and doesn't and blurs the lines between like recruiting, the onboarding, the training, and the retention steps. 
because really recruiting doesn't stop when you pass the recruit to like HR. It, it recruiting is I am positioning this opportunity all the way to the point where they're knocking a door. Okay. And I'm, 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 I'm building that context and the expectation in their head the whole way through. And what happens is companies grow like in the DDD space, what you see is they, they, they did this intrinsically earlier on because they, they were, they were a seller themselves. And then they bring on a few more people on the team. As they get bigger, what happens is the HR team does their own thing. They optimize for the HR team. Uh, you know, the recruiting team operates, uh, op- operationalizes everything in recruiting and then onboarding and then training is a separate department. And then what does the rep get? The rep gets like two emails from this email address from this company that just says nothing about what I just did before. And then, uh, you know, I get this manager that texts me like, are you done with your onboarding yet? You know what I mean? And it's just like all over the <laughs> I place. I laugh like, they know oh. how true it is. Yeah, it's, it's awful. And so... As tenure goes down in companies, like like just macro trend of tenure going down, we're not the, I worked at 30, 35 years at Boeing anymore. A, a um, major win is to operation, like get your, on, your rep experience or your new employee experience to be killer. And so back to what Conveyor is, uh, it is a rep experience platform and it's like having an applicant tracking system a HR onboarding, you know, truth of like truth, where you store reps information tool. Uh, it is a full training micro learning platform and a messaging platform to support them through that whole process, a texting platform built in and baked together specifically for the DDD space. So that is like what we do. Yeah, that's really awesome. As you scale, things just get messier. You have more people and you know, instead of texting three to five reps, now you're texting 30, 40, 50 reps, trying to manage all this uh, via text message or Excel spreadsheet. It does get difficult following up with the messages. And so this is a platform where it's all in one. And so how do you think that this improves the rep experience? Yeah. So I touched on the, the idea that, you know, you're getting messaging all over. The biggest thing way it re- experience or it improves the rep experience is by taking what used to be, it, it puts it on tracks. It's all linear. So the way I described it is remember the first time you ever used Uber. So like the first time you ever used Uber, there was no context. Like maybe somebody told you it was a good idea to use it, but you download the app and then the onboarding experience is pretty dope. And then I can say dope, right? I'm 40, but I can still say dope, Absolutely. Right? Okay. You're, you're talking to like a bunch of entrepreneurs and sales guys. Okay, cool. So I can say that. Okay. So <laughs> now you, you, the car shows up. Yeah, I don't have that anxiety of knowing what the person's name is. It's already on the app. I know exactly what the next step is. I'm not waiting for like, oh, you didn't check the box. You didn't check that one box. Everything's just good. And then, and then when you get out of the car, auto tips, like this is an amazing experience. Like I will totally try to use that again. Why can't your rep experience be like that? And so what we do is we give you a, a uh, whenever a rep, the same place where the rep is learning about your opportunity, where they're watching a video about your opportunity, getting qualified, booking and scheduling an appointment, like a demo, or excuse me, like an interview, is the same place where they do the onboarding, is the same place where they do the training. It's the same texting line the whole way through. If they have a question, they reply back to that one texting line and it goes to the right person. And then that's also where they do like updated product information, like product training for a veteran 
or like required, you know, compliance training or, you know, all that. And this is, this is one place. And our vision for rep experience goes beyond just those. It also is like where a manager will eventually go to put his downline in or potential recruits, all of that stuff. So we're working on that too. But the, you get a, you get a portal web app that if you store on your home screen turns into like one of these, if you do this with like a x.com right now, you just go to x.com and say, add to home screen. It feels like a native app. You can still get push notifications. Uh, the URL bar goes away, but what's cool is you get your brand. So like your brand becomes this one place where they access and you don't have to pay a bunch of money to get it into the app store. So that is what we do is really try to put it into one surface point. Right. So which gives the, your current reps more confidence to send their friends through an experience like this. And how does it make it easier for, how does it, how does it make it easier for that rep? I know we talked about it a little bit, but and I thought it was super cool. Explain how that works. Like, Hey, like we have a friend. Yeah. If uh, you're talking about for sharing to other people. Yeah. 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 Just cause you said you like, you get the video, uh, they watch the video. They just tell, just kind of tell, walk us through that. It's really cool. Uh, a way that we, we help companies to recruit is we make it stupid easy for one rep to share the role to another. So you need to lower the bar of contribution for your reps to build the team. And I think a lot of companies put too much, uh, they put too much of the onus on the rep to like get the rep to a point where they would be recruited. They should be selling. They should be able to say something, you know, build a little relationship and then do a lead behind. Right. And so you just say, Hey, let me get your info real quick. Right. Let me just plug your info done. That potential recruit gets a text message. It tracks who referred them that, that, that text message. They click it, they pop into the portal, just like what the rep got. They go through a video that is commonly you're signaling the right type of people you want that are focused on outcome driven, that are looking for something beyond just, you know, trading dollars for hours. Um, and you're really kind of signaling, Hey, this is the type of person we're looking for. Then you qualify them, you nudge them. If they don't book an interview, you get them to do the interview. And meanwhile, the, the rep that referred him is not doing any of this. Like he's just doing his thing. He's sending and he's like, message. Oh, look, look, I can see the status of where this person I referred, you know, two days ago is in the, in the funnel. Right. Um, and we do downline. So we manage that, that recruiting downline by like 30 levels deep. Uh, so it's a great system for, we, we call it personal recruiting. So you're recruiting not off on indeed. The context is just way better. Like, right. You know what it's like when someone refers their friend and they join versus getting somebody with lack of context. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And with that being said, like this is where a lot of, uh, uh companies fail. Where do you see the biggest mistakes that companies make? Yeah, uh, onboarding. Onboarding. Okay, so biggest mistakes in onboarding is, uh, again, using three different systems simply because they can. They can use Zapier and then this other tool and then this other tool to do it. And they think they have it solved, but really they're actually just confusing their rep because uh, they're sending them stuff too early. Like, Things like getting them onto their canvassing tool before they've even gotten an introduction to what the canvas tool is. Okay. Like sending them a link to get joined to that. Like, what is this? Am I supposed to get into this? What am I supposed to do here? So mistake is not putting it on rails. So what it can be is, Hey, um, I'm going to collect your info real quick. Uh, I'm going to explain. They don't explain the or they, they don't explain at all what actually onboarding looks like. So they don't 
right after recruiting, back up a little bit, right after recruiting, give your rep like a big digital bear hug. Uh, say, welcome to the, you know, the company. Here's what onboarding is going to look like. Here's how much time is needed. It's only this amount of time. After that, here's the goal, like what's at the end of the rainbow. You'll be able to do these things. Okay. Um, it doesn't take that long. And I'm going to walk you the whole through the whole, whole process. They don't even do that. They just kind of start sending them stuff. They just assume, well, I recruited them. So they're bought in, but they're not. So uh, they're already looking at two other roles because it's a 1099 role. So uh, what they typically do is they'll, they'll streamline it all. They'll collect all the information in the platform. Uh, they'll even do things like intermixing, collecting information and explaining more. I'll give you an example. When you ask for shirt size and shoe size, stop the HR process for a second and be like super sick, short little video on how you do swag and prizes to like re-emphasize like another incentive for them. to What's in it for me? Okay, now we need your shoe size. Right. Whereas if it was just ideally, if that was just separately an HR process, it would just be a form. Assuming that you're like a W2 employee that's going to stay around. Okay. So then they do the e-sign right within the portal. They don't make them send an email. Okay. And wait for that. They don't typically get nudges put in place. Right. So they send the e-sign, but then a manager has to get involved because they send in the e-sign, but then they didn't finish it. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. You're laughing, right? Cause this happens all the time, right? It does. Yeah. So why are we doing that? And then the, the big mistake, uh, a bigger mistake is a lot of people are pretty against automation um, or they're worried about automation killing their, their stats uh, or like taking personalization, taking personal interaction out of the process. And they worry like, I'm just going to lose a bunch of people because I've automated it and they're getting an automated text message. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that rep would rather send like sign that e-sign e contract instead of waiting for you to send it to them via text message two days later. Um, like when's the last time you went to Amazon or when's the last time you put a support ticket into Amazon? Never. Yeah. Do you hate Amazon because you don't get to talk to somebody personally? No, it's the best. Yeah. So Just go in there, order what I want. <laughs> exactly. You feel supported because it works. Right. So what I tell companies is, um, you know, all the time you can buy back in this minutia of doing the, the blocking and tackling and stuff, you could be spending time building a relationship with a rep. There's nothing stopping you from calling that rep and talking to them about who they are and stuff. It's just that you don't, aren't spending time now hunting down contracts and yeah, there's a process to it now. And you can follow where they're at in the process. Yeah, exactly. That's super awesome. If you were to go out recruiting right now, it's 2024. Where would, where would you start? So I would work. So we don't do any sourcing. Uh, we don't do sourcing. Um, we stop it kind of like build. We, we want to make, I'm going to answer your question, but we want to make the best process for once you get them into the, the hopper. Um, so that you're not going time out. I can't bring any more people in the funnel because this is sucking so bad, you know, in terms of processing these people. Um, but sourcing wise, I would start with a, an agency that's really, really good at not going to Indeed and bringing in anybody that raises their hand, says, I want to do, I, I have nothing else going on. I want to do this. Right. Um, I would work with, um, like I, I'm working one with one now called Allure Creative. 
Um, just name drop them. And uh, they're out of Miami. And they do social media recruiting. Um, and they are targeted. Like they're looking for people that look like they want an outcome-based role, right? Um, and are recruit like doing targeted recruiting for those types of those types of people. And then I've got that in place. Then I would build out my recruiting flow. And here's how the recruiting flow typically I'm seeing, this is what I'm seeing work well, okay? Is initial super short video that positions and builds context for that person, get them to a Zoom or get them to a group interview where you build connection. And that could be to a one single group interviewee, or it could be dispatching it to specific offices or territories. Have them do the interview. Um, and then after that, if they move them to kept, right, that sends out the offer inside the zoom, you actually say, Hey, you know, so since I've explained this as commission only, I can explain, you know, who we're looking for. I'm going to, if, if you get an offer from us, then you raise your hand by just saying, you know, booking your next interview. So it makes it really simple. Then you're nudging them to book the next interview, um, with a one-on-one, um, where they're going to meet with an individual manager. Um, that could be one, or if you've got multiple places, we can dispatch to different ones. Um, and that's how I'm seeing it, how I'm seeing it play out. That's cool. Uh, you brought up a good topic, which is branches and different territories. How do you run, like, obviously we know that your software can run multiple locations, but kind of walk us through kind of what that looks like and how you can, uh, segregate the different branches out. Yeah. So we have this concept of teams, which is basically, uh, creating micro convey your accounts inside the larger account. And what we saw as companies got bigger is they want to give some of these recruiting and training tools to divisions or regions um, uh, and still run training at like a macro level, say like, uh, you know, harassment training and corporate training and, and like everybody needs this type of training. But then you also want to give those regions and directors stuff that they can do on their own. And so we provide that. We create a way for you to create these sandbox micro teams inside the larger team. Um, so that they can run their own stuff. Is that what you're kind of asking? Yeah, yeah. Because it's like a lot of people that listen might have multiple branches and like, okay, well, like, what does it work for separate branches so they can see their own branch and not everyone else's branch like that? I would say one of the biggest opportunities for companies that are at that point where they have, say, 10 locations or, or something, uh, if they're thinking about recruiting, um, they're typically putting the onus on the the managers to manage the potential recruit flow so they've got like google sheets and their own phone and you know what i mean and then you just get like a text like hey this person is going to come on with us great now we're onboarding okay so what that says is that you're you're basically putting you're you're saying every single one of the people that i'm going to put in place in management is a master recruiter that has great processes and and you're and you're you're not like how, you know what I mean? Like, let's lower the bar. If somebody wants to do great in a location, let's, let's have them focus on like building a relationship and knowing the, knowing the territory, knowing the, the great neighborhoods, stuff like that, and spend less time having them to be like a master recruiter, you know, in terms of how to do it. Right. So what if you can give them the ability to pump in people that are potential recruits start that nurturing sequence at the higher corporate level, right? Um, and just let them, and then, and then they can let, see how that's playing out in terms of funnel. Like for example, getting them to a pre-event, like pre-season event, 
um, or, or a recruiting party or a pizza party or something? What if that could be done at the, at the corporate level um, and, and take some of the, the pressure off of the managers? Because the managers don't want to grow into the pain of more recruits. And then how long does the onboard, like say a company were to call you tomorrow, email you and say, hey, I want to get this signed up. How long does it typically take you to onboard them as a customer where they're up and running? Yeah, um, it, it depends on which motion you pick first. So if you pick onboarding, like less than two days, two or three days, because it's very basic, you know, it's very simple. You record a little video of explaining your onboarding process, um, like a welcome video. You sign up, like we use SignWell. It's a really popular e-sign tool. It's very low, inexpensive, and pay-as-you-go. That's the one we embed. So we set that up with you, right? So that's two or three days. Um, the recruiting maybe one one week because we've got a lot of best practices that we just pull from from other you know previous experience if you have like well we do something special that can take a little bit longer training is probably where it takes most time to get rolling just because you got to upload all your videos and yeah you got to make your videos and put them in but i this day and age i don't think that like really polished super high quality video is necessary uh, I mean, look at how we do social media video. Like it's, it's, it's portrait, it's this. Um, and I, people, it's like one or the other, either they either have no video, no digital training and they're gonna do it all physical. Okay. Or they're like, Oh, we're going to spend, you know, like a bunch of money to make super high polished videos that we're going to change six months late later anyways. Right. And we're in a perpetual like format of adding or making new video just record something, just get it in there, buy back your time. And I say, put all of your, for training, put all of your um, basic stuff, set the expectation that all of this needs to be done before boot camp or before your main, you know, in-person training. Um, get everybody kind of debounced so they're all on the same page when you when they land there. And then focus all of your physical training to be building relationships, drilling for skill, setting you know setting expectations yeah inside the platform like you have videos and th things that they have to do is there a way to create tests for them to make sure that they're like engaged how do you keep them engaged through the process yeah so um we have all the typical presentation formats like video uh files um mp3s um image all that and then we have about hmm, 10 different quizzing formats, micro learning quiz formats. So they're all gamified and points driven. So like put the, put the, this process in the correct order, fill in the blank challenge questions. And then we got another one called video coaching. So you can actually have them request them to upload a video of themselves. Um, and then you rate that video on core competencies, like, you know, accuracy, speed, whatever they get an email back with their review, uh, the comments. So that's where you can actually like test their skill. You can do like correspondence training. It's really awesome. What I like about the whole thing too is that you work with so many other companies that you can help maybe the smaller companies with best practices and how to set this platform up. Because you see from all over the place from giant corporations down to that was the that was the unlock for us, just to be honest. Um when we were working with just focusing on like micro learning. So comp corporate companies with over 500, you know, 500 employees and build whatever you want on our platform. Yeah, because what I like, and I don't mean to cut you off, but like well, I think what happens is that smaller companies, they just don't know what to do. Yeah. So they just don't do anything. Yeah. Now, if they, they had don't. like, hey, like, come here, we'll help you with this process. We'll help you get it set up. You don't have to do a whole lot, but make a few videos. Then it's easy for them. Absolutely. And um, what I'm trying to say is, like, 
it was way easier to offer value to customers when we when we um, said we're all in on helping you know companies in the direct sales space um, grow their teams because now yes there's product but having having like what works for other companies and sharing that with teams and helping them use the product is what's been so valuable. I could definitely see that because you're in the software world and you're, you're in the tech space. How do you see AI transforming our industries? Oh, so much, so much. Uh, it's changed. It's, it's going so fast. The biggest way I think of AI changing, um, what we do, uh, in terms of like recruiting, I'm going to talk about training. Because training, I think, is going to have the biggest change with AI. So the way I think about the way we train now um, without AI is like, we're going to teach you how to fish. We're not going to be on the boat with you for the most part while you're doing it. So we have to teach you as much about how to fish right now before you go do the job, before you go fishing. Right. This is, this might be a little too allegorical, but like, hear me out. Um, so you you're... We're, we have to teach you so much ahead of time. So we, we front load a lot of the training right now, right? And the reason why we front load the training is because it's actually pretty difficult for a rep to retrieve contextual information when he's on the job. He has to do it. He has to do it from here. Um, and, and so what's changing with AI, I'm sure if you experienced this, is like, I don't have to remember so much stuff. It's like, imagine before Google, you know, you had to kind of know things. <laughs> um, but yeah. the AIing things, let me chat GPT is like the new Google, right? So, um, now I don't have to know as much about a process before I start the process or before I start the project. I can just contextually answer my questions. So the way how that translates in, in AI is you're going to do less upfront training. Okay. And you're going to be spending more time explaining to a rep and training a rep on how to use the AI as their companion while they do the job. Can you go a little bit deeper on that? Yeah. 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 So all of your content, all of your training, and we're working on this right now, all of your lessons and your training and even um, collective like support questions back and forth that you've had on chat is all going to be in a, uh, an agent in your training portal, like or in your rep portal. Okay. And you, a rep asks a question and they get a super contextual answer, even maybe tailored to who they are and how close, how long they've been doing the job that answers that question. So when you train a rep, you're just going to train them on how to get unstuck and you, and rely on that information. Okay. Now there's certain things they have to know right off the bat. They can't be talking to a customer and go, yeah, hold on, let me just GPT that up real quick. And then I'll answer your question, right? You can't do that. But things like, how do I, what do I do if a customer calls me and leaves a voicemail about this? And what do I do if like my territory is doing this? And you used to do a lot of that as a bur barrier to train. Like you would train all of that up front, right? So now you won't have to do that because it will be answered so quickly uh, using AI. And to the point too, where you won't train on things like, um, how, how does the rep figure out how to look at their performance and make changes? The AI, an AI agent will reach out to them and say, here are some tips on how you could improve. It'll be contextual to them. So and how are these AIs getting trained on our specific industry or our specific business? Is that something we will have to enter in the data and train off those? 
Yeah, so like we're doing this right now with our with our system inside the portal. You've got all of your lessons, all of your courses, um, and so we're working on this project right now where we take all of that, we put it into a vector database, so a large language model can can access it. Um, it we we splice it and dice it and all that stuff, and then it's going to be in our search. So you search for you know, rep searches for something, and it's going to be contextual to to your company but also to only the stuff that they have access to at that point. So if you don't want to give them the special handshake dealer information or something, um, that won't show up. It'll just be like where they are in their journey. That's wild. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm, I just dream about it all the time. Like wh when's my team going to be done with this? Yeah, what, is, what do you think is like, oh, I won't count, like put your finger on it. Yeah, when, no, when like do you think definitely Q1, definitely Q1. We've been working really? on it for months. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's really awesome. I enjoy that. I just like think of how much pressure it'll take off the office and admin and like. Yeah, if you want to get a little bit more wild on AI, like um, think about this. Okay, so um, what I've learned with Web PDI and manager coaching, okay, is managers you have to make coaching a rep like what you what you explain to that manager so simple, right? You can't make the manager look at a lot of data about a rep, like a big dashboard of data, whether it be like door knocking data and, you know, you got to go here for this information and here for this information. Like don't make your managers have a PhD in data analysis just to suggest to a rep and for like question, like what they should do. Okay. So what what my vision is that you 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 send us like we have a way for you to send us like data up performance data about reps and you send us how many doors do they knock what do they do this week like what effort stats whatever and then you go in and you create a prompt just like you do in gpt um that you say when i open this profile on this rep answer these five questions for me as a coach like how many, how many doors have they knocked that resulted in whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. You ask these questions in natural language. I show you those and say, now give me insights on what I should tell the rep. So you now have an agent, somebody sits in between in the middle. That is both the, the in-between person is the mediator that answers the data and is your coaching assistant that, in, that shares with you insights about this rep that you can take your, leverage your relationship to go help that rep um, in a meaningful way, in a quick, quickly and easily without having that PhD in data science. That's incredible. Like that gets me excited. Yeah. Cause there's just a lot of that data points that we, like, we just can't, we have to pull all the data and it just takes a lot of time where that could just be like instant. Yeah. Like it's so data is amazing, but it's, it's, it very difficult to use it fresh and to use it, um, in a way where like, I want to be able to have, like, you could have three beers and still do coaching and be effective. <laughs> I don't know if I could. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have an A, B at this point. I think I'd be laying on the ground. Uh, what do the next three to five years look like for Conveyor? Like, where do you see it headed? Yeah, um, where I see it headed. So I see it as, uh, I see it one as the, the, the portal that I'm talking about is going to become the place where the manager, the player coach, the person that needs to receive training, but is also building a team goes, okay, where they go and they manage their entire roster, where they can see all of the people that, that are underneath them, um, help do coaching with them, but also are learning from the company and learning from their upline, right? So working to improve that. 
the the other areas like what I was talking about with like the, all the AI things that I've kind of shared with you, um, and then the the big area that I don't talk about much, but I'm very excited about is um, bringing the industry together and allowing best practices to bubble up in a way where if if I have an amazing course uh, on uh, you know anything that relates to the industry, whether it be technician based or whether it be um, you know sales based. I could put it on Conveyor and other companies could purchase that or bring that in. And it's not just the content, it's also the whole flow. So if you wanted to sell your flow or share your flow with the industry, uh, your workflow, you could. Um, or your franchisees, like you could just have your franchisee go and pop it into their account and use it, right? Yeah, you and I kind of talked about the last time. Yeah. Yeah, because it could get a lot like we're very granular right now, but it could get a lot larger talking about the whole franchise side, multiple branches and rolling this out to all them. But then also the experience of your other branches, how to onboard them or franchisees, how to onboard them. There's no, it's not just for sales reps in general, but it could be used for a multitude of things. Yeah. Yeah. And I've kept it very specifically, you know, helping out with like growing sales teams just because it's easier for people to digest. But this is a tool that could be used for technicians, for insurance, you know, insurance, real estate, like all sorts of, but I'm just trying to stay focused uh, on helping one community first and then kind of like lily pad to the next. Yeah. That's incredible. Are you much of a reader, Stephen? Do you like to read? I do. Um, I'm reading this right now. It's a wonderful book. Simple. I was going to ask you, what are your two favorite books? To fit. This is my book jam right now. Rules for smart for smart scaling by Greg Crabtree. You oh, so I've read. Before? I've never no. Oh, I've, this is I've new. seen. I've seen because he had uh, the simple numbers one. Yeah, simple numbers, big profits, right? Yeah, yeah, big profit. This is his update on that, and it's it's wild. Oh, cool. It's really good. So what is that? That one, simple numbers. So what? simple numbers two rules for smart scaling. Oh, awesome! It's really good. It talks about this concept of return on invested capital, gotcha. and how. It's like, what's the number that's hidden in success for scaling across like low margin and high margin companies, whether they're like, you know what I mean? We've got some that are more manufactured based have like low margin, but like what makes them grow fast? And it's really about like, how can you grow in a profitable state? Like you don't have to be either gonzo, gonzo growth, low profit or lifestyle business. Like there could be in between. That's really cool. So I actually seen Greg. Greg Crabtree live three or four years ago. It's incredible. Was that like an EOS or something? Uh, we were at a, a conference and he was at one of the speakers there. So it, it was really cool. So I've never even heard of that book. So thank you for that one. Uh, second book recommendation. You got one? Uh, second book, uh, Crucial Conversations. That's been That's a, a good book that I really love. Yeah, that's been really, really helpful. Yeah, I really like that one. What about you? The books that I'm currently reading, one is a franchise book. Uh it's called like the purple goldfish. Yeah. The purple, that's the name. Yeah. Purple it's, goldfish. It's a, okay. So they had this whole series. Um, I'll look it up to see who it is, but it's called the purple goldfish. And they, but they have a whole series on like yellow goldfish, green goldfish, blue goldfish. So, so they, so they keep the goldfish part, but yep. they just keep changing the color. Okay, cool. Yep. So the one that I'm re- currently reading is purple goldfish. Um, one that I always go back to, you said EOS is, uh, any of those books, Traction is probably one of my favorite books. Currently, I'm reading outside of that, The Nine Figure Mindset by Brandon Dawson. Mm. Uh, it's just, it was a fun read. It's kind of like a Grant Cardone book, uh, gets you excited. And then I just finished uh, 10X is Easier Than 2X by Dan Sullivan. That was a really good one, too. 
Oh, dude, Dan Sullivan is the man. He's yeah. so good. I was in I was in his group for two years. Really? Yeah, yeah. I really, uh, strategic coach is amazing. Um, so you probably know that that model well, or is that newer? Yeah. Which what was this one that he? What was the book? This one is ten uh, x is easier than two x, and it's by yeah. Uh, he him talks and about Benjamin that. Hardy. Like, yeah. So he he had this concept of ten x versus two x like way before he wrote it with Ben Ben Hardy. Maybe he got it from Ben Hardy. I don't want to say who had who, but um, but it's a really like cool concept because it really has to break your brain on who not how like you got to find the who's to do the hows. right i think that was their last book right their first book or was who not how and yeah and so he has just these great he's just so good at at building visuals and encapsulating an idea this guy's so good at that uh i've always appreciated him for that um like the gap versus the gain oh yeah yeah. he talks about that what was their coaching program like was there it was really good. Uh, it was quarterly. I would go to LA, like Santa Monica area. Um, I actually got to meet him up in uh, in um, Toronto, like the first um, event I went to, but ended up going to LA because I wanted the sun. Gotcha. And, <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was really good in that before I did that uh, that uh, process, I didn't actually have a getaway per quarter. I didn't have time, like I set aside to just think and work on the business. And, um, I needed that a lot to get into that habit. I have that habit now, but I didn't have it back then. Right. Um, when did you get your first coach? My first business coach? Yeah. was strategic coach. Really? You went all (laughs) in right away. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't have, I didn't have any business coaches or, or, or board seats or any of that stuff. I was kind of flying blind a little bit for quite some time. How about you? Do you have, did you have a mentor or business coach that really helped you? Yeah, I had a couple of them. Um, a lot of people that listen to this podcast or that know me from that era or from that, that world of service autopilot. My first coach, again, I got super lucky. I can give myself a pat on the back for putting myself out there, uh, reaching out. But then I got one of the best mentors in our space in the country, I feel. It was my first mentor too, and he mentored like roughly a hundred of us, but then there's like a, a different group, but there's about 20 of us. And like those 20 people are, are all like seven years later, just killing it now. So again, I just feel like I got really lucky. He's one of my best, one of my best friends to date. So it's been a really good relationship. So yeah. Thank God for him. Cause yeah. Isn't it weird how, uh, you know, you can't have one or the other, right? Like at some point you had to have the, like the desire and self-worth and, and the risk of putting yourself out there to ask, um, and then, and then, I mean, of course he helped, right. But there was that impetus of you actually doing that. I think there's so many times where I, I, in the past, I felt like I selected the JV team. Like I didn't ask my, I didn't just raise my hand and say, I'm going to be on the varsity by asking this person that I'm connected with for help. Cause they're not going to help me. Why would they help me? But That's what I thought too. they want to help. They want to help. Right. They, they, they're already in a place where they have the bandwidth to, to help and to give back all the things that they learn. And I'm sure if somebody was a hustler, like that wanted to reach out to you and get help. You would help Absolutely. because you would see. Absolutely. So, yeah. And it, and it like Jonathan said it. Cause like, I was like, we had like, I was watching his videos long before I met him. So I feel like I know him uh, prior and I met him and he didn't have a clue who I was, but he was my best friend already. Told me we're going to be best friends one day. And uh, so just having, you know, having that person like, and I always say it on the podcast, it's the dumb tax, right? Just 
you're paying to speed up the process. You don't make those stupid decisions and it, it, you scale so much faster. So yeah, I just, uh, again, I just got lucky to find him first one, probably kind of like you felt with Dan Sullivan. Like what are the odds that you get Dan Sullivan first coach? That's wild. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I was in it just to be like, I didn't have him as a direct coach, but just to be in the context or in the place and time where somebody suggests that I go to that group and, um, you know, have the means to do it and stuff. Yeah. I always end the podcast with the last question because it makes people just put their life into perspective. Uh Oh, at this point in your life, Steven, what are you most proud of? Most proud of is my, my family and my marriage for sure. Awesome. How long have you been married? Uh, 18 years. Um, got married when I was 21. Um, and I got four amazing teenagers, um, from almost 18 to 14 on the 14th or so 13, got a 13 year old, um, boy, boy, girl, girl. And yeah, I, um, I love them and I'm, I'm proud of them and who they've become. And, um, yeah, that's what I'm most proud about. That's really awesome. And I, I can just tell you're just a good, genuine dude, and I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Same here. Same to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, I appreciate you taking the time for us to share what you got going on. Uh, I love what you're doing. Obviously, that's why I wanted to bring you on, just to help everyone else that's listening, from onboarding to recruiting sales guys to technicians to franchising to whatever. Like This is just a great tool that everyone should be using for sure. Thank you, man. Thank you for taking, giving me the time to share. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll talk to you soon. And I can't wait to, for our first appointment here in the next week or so. All right, Jonas. Talk to you soon, man. All right, buddy. See ya.